Shadour Sanders wins the Black College Football Hall of Fame Player of the Year. But was Davius Richard robbed of this award? Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives which you can find right here at the bottom of the screen but if you're on the audio side of things don't forget the s on the end and elizabeth city state exercised some demons on their way to winning the ciaa tournament the hbcu legacy bowl had five players who should have made the xfl nfl usfl whatever league they're looking at or the closest to say i gotta go back to that player's tape Before all of that, we have a little bit of controversy in the HBCU landscape. Shador Sanders has won the Black College Football Hall of Fame Player of the Year, but there are many who believe that he is not worthy of that award. And that, no, not that he's not worthy of that award, but that there's somebody who deserved it a little bit more, and that's North Carolina Central quarterback Davius Richard. And I don't believe that any of this has to do with the Sanders family leaving Jackson State I believe that Richard had a great season and a season that you can compare to Shadour Sanders and say, you know what, maybe he should have won it more. There's three categories we're going to break this conversation into, though. We're going to talk about why is this so close, because some people might not realize just how close the race between Sanders and Richard really is. Then secondly, we're going to look at what's the best argument for each quarterback to win. And then thirdly, I'm going to tell you why I believe that the voters decided to pick Sanders. I wasn't in the room, I didn't put a vote in, but I can tell you what, from the outside looking in, I believe was the deciding factors that that swayed the conversation towards Sanders. So let's go ahead and start off with the initial thing. We have to talk about how close this was. Because for many, if you're just looking at the highlights and you're not looking at the stats and the context and everything, you would probably think that Sanders winning is a no-brainer who was even close. Like There was no more hyped player in the HBCU landscape, aside maybe Travis Hunter, and he didn't play enough to win that, but it's Shador Sanders. He had all the highlights. He had all the, oh my God, Jackson, he had all of that. So to you, it might feel like a no-brainer, but the truth of it is, this is a very, very, very close battle. And when you look at the numbers, you're looking at 3,926 total yards for Shador in 13 games that averages out to about 302 games or 302 yards per game, three and a half touchdowns per game. Then you look at Richard, he had 3,449 total yards in 12 games. And that averages out to 287 yards per game and 3.3 touchdowns. Very close. I'm not saying they're the exact same, but they're very close. And if we're applying context, I have to say that Richard or Sanders did touch the ball seven times more per game than Richard. That goes for pass attempts and rushes. That's a very important thing to add, in my opinion. But what's the best argument for both of these quarterbacks? Well, for Shadur, 
If you're Team Shador, you're probably saying, well, he had the better stats. When you look at it, they're close. But Sanders does, does edge him in yards per game and touchdowns per game. So that's probably the best argument you're doing. In a very close statistical category, look at what we were able to do. But Richard, I really love the, the Team Richard's argument. I'm not going to lie to you. And I didn't think of this. It wasn't in my thought process before I've seen it. But we beat you. These two players, as a quarterback, this is naturally how we talk about them, right? We know this is a team thing, but we're going to talk about the quarterbacks when it comes to wins and losses and things like that, especially when it's high-profile matchups. Shador and Davies faced off in the HBCU Super Bowl, and who won? Davies Richard and the North Carolina Central Eagles. So in the big-time game, we faced off, and in a close race, that should be the tiebreaker. That's the argument. I love that argument. I'm not going to lie to you. I really do love the argument. Um, but that's not the argument that just wins it all. It's not like, oh, that's the best argument. But I do love it. It's very, to me, it's very creative. It's not something that I would have thought of. But that's not the deciding factor, clearly. Because if it was, Richard would have won this award. But he didn't. So why didn't he? If I had to just take a guess, if I had to take a look into what happened. To me, this is so close. And I said this before the Celebration Bowl. If I'm picking between Richard and Sanders, I'm legitimately just picking based off the preference and quarterback that I want. If I want a more mobile quarterback who is a dual threat quarterback, I'm picking Richard. If I want somebody who's going to be more stand in the pocket, and yes, Sanders can move. I'm not saying he can't move. But as far as dual threat versus traditional, I can't remember what's, what's the other way that they say it. But a traditional versus a dual threat quarterback Sanders fits more in the traditional role. He just knows how to have some mobility, right? But what I think swayed it for Sanders are two things. One, he had better passing numbers. And at the end of the day, this is a quarterback that we're talking about. And I understand it's a passing league. There's more, 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 there's, I mean, there's more mobile quarterbacks out there now, but this is still a passing league, and, and you're going to look at those numbers. I think that if there's a stat that they prioritized, it was probably the passing yards. And then the last thing I think really helped Sanders is that they had a flawless regular season record. Like, yeah, they lost in the Celebration Bowl specifically to Richard and the Eagles, but Jackson State also went undefeated, which is something that North Carolina Central can't say. They lost two games during the regular season. Also, one of the arguments I did like was that um, they had a harder schedule. I thought it added a good amount of context to it. I didn't love the argument, but I did like that argument for um, Davius Richards' camp. But at the end of the day, I think that going 13-0 uh, until the last game, of course, but going 13-0 and then also just having the better numbers in the passing yards is ultimately what made them side with Shador Sanders. I'm not mad about this. If you would have told me that Davius Richard won, I wouldn't have been mad about it. One thing to be clear, I asked the question in the opening, was Davius Richard robbed? No. You can feel like he should have won. That's perfectly fine. You can feel like he should have won. But he was not robbed for the award. Both of these men were deserving. And if either one would have won, I would not have batted an eye. And going forward, we're going to go back to the HBCU Legacy Bowl and list out the four players. Yes, it was four players who made the USFL, XFL, NFL go back to their tape and say, I got to check out what this player was able to do in the regular season as we continue with Locked on HBCU. 
Before that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the market, bar none, aka the Swiss Army knife of protein bars because I can use it right before it's time to go work out. I can use it just because I'm hungry. I can use it because I want something sweet, but I don't want all the negative uh, uh, the negative aspects of feeling like I'm getting a lot of fat, getting a lot of uh, carbs, a lot of sugar because... They have s'mores, they have raspberry, they have blueberry, they have chocolate chip cookie dough. They have all of these different flavors that sound like, oh, these might be some fattening flavors, but they're low in all the fat aspects. However, they're high in protein. That's why I love Built Bar. Taste and benefit at the same time. I don't even feel guilty for eating this type of chocolate bar it's covered in chocolate full of protein the built puff has marshmallow on the inside all these things don't really add up but that's why you got to salute the built bar team because they made the perfect built bar or they made the perfect protein bar and you won't believe me just go ahead and go to walmart or sam's club today and go get you some right now or wait on shipping and use the promo code locked 15 at built.com to get 15 percent off your offer And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball. It's everything you need around the sport in one place, wherever you listen to your podcast, including where you're listening or watching me right now. And also, there's four players, two, three, four, yes, four players, I thought it was five, but we have four players from the HBCU Legacy Bowl who had such good performances that I believe it should make whatever scout is the most interested in them go back to the tape and say, you know what? We got to see what this guy was doing during the season and see if it matches up with what we saw on Saturday because they were that good. And I'm going to start off with the two players who I thought were the most dominant, Cam Peterson and, and uh, Nelson Jordan. And that's because that Team Robinson line, we talked about Jason Dumas on yesterday's episode, but it was more than just Dumas. It was those three specifically who were continuing to wreck shop from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. I want to separate them because they were that good that they deserve their own moment. Cam Peterson, just a quick little story about Peterson. He came in and he wanted to be on the edge or they, they wanted him to be on the edge, but people weren't really trying to move inside and get reps on the inside. Right? This is the story that was told to me before the game. People weren't really trying to get reps on the inside. Cam Peterson said, no, nah, I ain't scared. Basically saying, like, y'all scared. I ain't scared. I'm going to go ahead and go on the inside, and I'm going to dominate. And that's what he did. And I like the mentality, right? Because if people are shying away from something that typically means it's probably a challenge, but you go and attack that head on, that's the type of player that I want. That's the type of player I want, and I think that he could be a UDFA guy. That's the type of guy who I think should be like, oh, we pick him up, see what he can do in camp. But he won with power. He won with finesse. He won with speed. He won with everything, right? So he had the the bull rush. He had the quick moves. He had the 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 stops in in the run. He had the tip ball. He had the tip balls. He had the the sacks. Any aspect that you want a defensive tackle to impact the game, he did on Saturday, right? Stop the run. Get to the passer. If you don't get to the passer, get your hands up. Tip the ball. What more could you ask for out of a player in the, in the All Star game? I don't know. He was phenomenal. And right next to him on many plays was Nelson Jordan, whose whole family was there, okay? I had to be at least 15 Jordan shirts in the, in the crowd. And after Jordan had the clutch sack, which ended up being the game-winning sack for Team Robinson, it was, the, it was the last play of Team Gaither's offensive team or the last offensive play for Team Gaither because that sack rushed it all and they just went ahead and ran the clock after that. But after that, he celebrated with his family. It was a really dope moment and something that I was like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Because when your family buys out nearly a section, 
you got to ball out. And that's exactly what Jordan Nelson, or excuse me, Nelson Jordan did because he was rushing the passer quickly. He was getting there. And a lot of times we looked at the interior because it's like, oh, it opened up like, but then when you look at Jordan, it was just a guy who came off the edge extremely quickly. And he was kind of a sneaky player who almost got that MVP award that Jason Dumas ended up getting. And then the next play I want to discuss is Jaden Thomas, because he had a, a week that was brought up to me multiple times unprovoked. I'm just sitting here talking about whatever. I don't even know if I'm asking the question of, hey, who stood out to you when I get to the game? I'm trying to see if the people who were there, who stood out to you? And I don't know if I even asked that, but people just told me, hey, Jaden Thomas, that's him. He had a couple of games or a couple of one-on-one -on -one matchups against Nugget that were really good. You got to watch out for Jaden Thomas. And he had really good size. Over six foot, about 205 pounds. Like, I, I, I thought he had pretty good size. And he had the first eye-popping offensive play. There was some solid offensive plays, yeah. But this was the first play that made us say, ooh, write that guy down. And it was his big-time catch. I told you on yesterday's episode, Xavier Smith had one of the two best catches of the day. And the only one that could rival him was the one from Jaden Thomas because he went over the defensive back. And got that. It was probably, I think it was like a 33-yard catch, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's how long it was. It was either 33 or 28. It was one of those two numbers. Um, but it was the first play that made us say, ooh, it was the first eye-popping offensive play. Offense wasn't great in the game. Final score was 10-3. to He's one of the players who stood out in the midst of all of that. So shout-out to Jaden Thomas. And then also... I feel like Thomas had the type of week where, oh, you went up against a high-profile guy, had success. You come out, have a really nice play. Whoever it is, they're probably saying, I got to go back to his tape. And then lastly, we're going to talk about Jai Nun Liddell, more affectionately known as Jai Ain't Nun Little, right? Because he was out there hitting. I mean, whether it was special teams or defense, he was out there rocking people. And that's what we wanted. Not because we thought he was going to come and be a heavy hitter or anything, but because once we saw it, it's like, oh, this guy has special team possibility. Jai Nunn Liddell is a player who, if he can continue, or if you look at his film and you see downhill, open field tackling at a high speed, which is what we saw during this game, he immediately becomes somebody who you think can be a core special teamer. And I'm talking about the NFL. I'm not talking about the USFL. I'm not talking about the XFL. But I could legitimately see him, if that's, that's a trait that we see on film more and more, that's a player who you say, I want to put him on the team just to be my gunner. And I, let me tell you why that's a very safe position. Ain't nobody coming in to compete with a good gunner. You're not. You're an all-star wide receiver. Some other all-star wide receiver might sneak their way in and be around. Ain't nobody coming. You're not bringing in competition for a gunner. And you also not really, like, you have a position technically, but you don't really. You don't really have a position. Like, think about Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater has a position. But he's not playing it. We're not expecting him to be out there. It's not like, oh, man, we got this many uh, wide receivers. I think it's a wide receiver. We're not, we're, we have seven wide receivers we like. We can't keep Matthew Slater. No, one of those seven guys is going to get cut in favor of Matthew Slater because his job is solidified. If you are a core special teamer and you're not really competing for the third, and I'm not talking about people who just play special teams. I'm not talking about your third safety who doesn't play, so he's on the special teams unit. I'm talking about a guy who is on the special teams unit, so he also has to be your third, fourth safety. That's the type of player that I'm talking about. And I think that Jai Nun Liddell could be that type of guy. But I'll tell you what, with all four of these players, it's going to be up to the NFL, USFL, XFL to do one thing. 
go back to their tape. Go back to their tape. And as we move forward, Elizabeth City State has exercised some demons, and the result of this is a CIAA championship. Let's continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up the episode, I want to say shout out to all my segment three people for making us your first listen of the day and making it all the way to the end. Elizabeth City State has exercised some demons and they result in winning the CIAA tournament in 2023. Let's look at some of these. Let's look deep into these because for Elizabeth City State, I feel like this championship had to feel really good because you made it to the finals last year. You lost to Lincoln and you're feeling like, you know what? This could be a mental hurdle, but you all smashed that mental hurdle and you avenged that loss. Now, you were looking to avenge it against Lincoln specifically. That didn't happen, but you were still able to get over that hurdle. You're still able to get over that hump because for some teams, making it to the finals and losing is something that they don't really shake back too greatly from. But hey, I guess Elizabeth City State didn't have that problem. Second time's the charm. If you're looking at them. And also we're going to talk about third time to charm as we continue on their route. But let's look at it because it's not like avenging these losses stopped. Just be or not stopped. But it's not like these avenging these losses was only in the finals. You also had two teams who swept you in the regular season that you had to go up against. And what they, t- what they actually say is third time's the charm. And that's exactly what we saw with the Vikings. Because they were able to knock off Shaw. Or excuse me, they were able to knock off Bowie State. And they were able to knock off Shaw afterwards. So Bowie State beat them twice in the regular season. What they do? Come in and smash them. I'm talking about 20-point uh, victories. Leading for the whole game pretty much dominating this game. And... Then you look at this Shaw game, and the Shaw head coach had a, a press conference that was really fired up on the way to the finals. He talked about how he was upset about how his team had to go from playing the night before to playing right away. It just was unfair scheduling. And then also he discussed passionately about how I know that Elizabeth City State wanted to face Lincoln. I know they wanted to avenge that loss from last year. But you ain't getting a rematch. You're getting us. I hate to break it to you, Shaw. I guess avenging wasn't exclusive to Lincoln. They just wanted to go ahead and avenge the fact that they lost in last year's finals. That's really what it came down to. And you just so happened to be the victim. But you know what? Let me not even call you a victim because they were avenging losses to you as well. You swept them during the regular season. Third time wasn't a charm for you. Third time was third time was a charm for Elizabeth City State. And when you look at the Vikings. I think it's kind of funny because on the on the way, the route to winning the CIAA tournament, you had four games. The two close games were the games against teams they had beat during the regular season. But when they faced off against teams they hadn't beat, teams that had swept them, smash. Bowie State, 20-point victory. Against Shaw, you didn't lead by less than 11 the whole second half. Had a 20-point lead during most of the game, at least up above 15 for pretty much the whole second half. You're looking at... Above 20 points for the uh, second half, not the whole game. But you're looking at a situation where it felt like, you know what? We're going to get our lick back in these games. And they came out even more inspired. And yes, we're going to talk about avenging and and exercising the demon of losing in the finals last year. That's what's going to be talked about when we're talking about avenging losses. But kind of like Hawkeye, the forgotten avenging is going to be the games against Shaw. The games against Bowie State where you got swept in the regular season. And then what happens? 
you meet up in the playoffs or in the tournament, whatever, and you're able to avenge that loss. So I think that this had to be one of the sweetest CIAA routes and championships for Elizabeth City State. And shout out to the Vikings because you just further proof that five is the greatest number in case you just wanted to. I'll throw this little tidbit out to you. But the number five seed in the men's and women's tournament both won. You might think it's a coincidence. I think it's confirmation. Who knows? But don't make us your fifth listen of the day, right? That's the only time five ain't the best. Make us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen. Check out Locked On College Basketball with everything you need around the sport in one place. Isaac's doing a great job getting you prepared for March Madness. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be breaking down some of the great action. North Carolina Central is on fire. Men's basketball on fire. Winning six straight and just knocked off Norfolk with only one game left before the MEAC tournament. Until the mean, or in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.